Welcome to the Primal Endurance Podcast. Slow down and enjoy the show, where we rap, literally, about everything you need to know. I'm your host, Brad Kearns. Are you ready? Let's go. Debbie Potts. Brad Kearns. Welcome. So nice to connect with you. Uh, and we have some fun things to talk about, namely the fat-adapted endurance athlete scene is finally taking off. Well, we've been uh, you know, exploring this concept for uh, many years, and now it seems like it's hit mainstream, including uh, elite athletes. So let's check in with you with your finger on the pulse of the scene and tell me what you see uh, you know, in the elite triathlon world, the ultra-distance uh, as far as people transitioning over to uh, the not only the the diet but the training, everything that goes together with fat adapted endurance training. Well, Brad, thanks for having me on. It's really funny that I just laugh at all this. I mean, it's exciting, but it's funny to me too because we started Fit Fat Fast podcast, John Smith and I, in 2011, and this is everything we talked about: eat fat to burn fat, metabolic efficiency, metabolic flexibility. I was doing math heart rate training and started doing Ironmans 2001, but I started doing low carb uh, UCAN and metabolic efficiency testing and training myself in 2005. And it's 2019 <laughs> right now. And it's exciting that it's finally catching on. And, you know, it's kind of a good turning point for myself personally on a professional level. I'm closing my fitness studio and I've been a trainer, personal trainer for 25 years and a coach and having my own fitness studio for 12 years on my own that I'm closing that door and this new door is opening up to help coach athletes to be fat adapted, but also the other side, the flip side is that chronic fatigue we've talked about a lot and avoiding burnout and breakdown. And so that's kind of my new journey, especially October 1st when I have closed my studio and I'm moving to Kona for the month <laughs> or two weeks right now, but <laughs> trying to go longer just to, you know, transition into this world of endurance athletes, how they need our help to really become fat adapted, but also working on performance and longevity because we'll dive into more, I'm sure, is being fat adapted isn't just about being low-carb athlete, keto, carnivore now too, and, and it's not just what you eat, but lots more to it. So is it possible to uh, balance health, promote longevity while we're doing these crazy uh, extreme endurance goals with the population out there trying to accomplish ultras and Ironmans and things that ha seem so time-consuming and so physically stressful day after day, especially when you have a real life? Well, that's a, a great question. And it's ideally, we shouldn't be doing this long a distance, right? To be healthy isn't about doing an Ironman. It's uh, going out for your speed golf workout and breaking your new, what's your new world record you're trying to break now? Right. Some dude and uh, some Belgian uh, professional player on the European tour uh, took my record down. So now I get uh, more ambition and inspiration to go try to take a crack at it. But I think <laughs> what you're getting at is um, this fascination with ultra being the ultimate accomplishment for an endurance athlete. Um, yeah. You know, I've talked about this before. Maybe that should be second guessed. And maybe like the, the person who is really competent running a 5K or doing a sprint triathlon, maybe that's uh, They're the smart you know, ones. just as, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it could be just as an esteemed goal as getting your Ironman medal, which is just such a, also an incredible accomplishment. Uh, and not to redirect people into, 
you know, to tell them what goals they should aspire to. Uh, but I just was watching on YouTube this guy named um, Charles Alley, A-L-L-I-E, and he's 70 years old, and he just ran a 57-second 400 meters. So it just, whether you uh, want to go after that or, or, or care at all, it shows what's possible with the human body, not just to uh, plod along all day, but also to retain that explosiveness and that peak performance at a short-distance event. And so it seems like we could open up our uh, perspective uh, a little more to say, hey, what's on the calendar for this year? What what sounds interesting? And maybe you do something a little off the beaten track instead of repeating the same, signing up for the same events over and over each year. Um, you know, it, it might be more fun and maybe better for the body to kind of mix it up a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Shorter distance and sprints and interval training is much healthier for us, especially in mitochondria level, that hormetic stressors that you always talk about and, you know, the cold thermogenesis and all those type of acute stressors. So a chronic stress would be going for a long bike ride and long run and doing these long endurance events. So what I want to help educate those people who choose to race long distance and endurance is that they really need to train smartly and work on not just a performance for this year, but the long haul, what we're doing to our bodies, how is that going to impact our future? So working on longevity, so really training for an Ironman or 50K or whatever long distance you're doing. But let's look at training, as I say, the whole athlete from the inside out for performance. And that includes starting with nutrition and how you're fueling day to day, but also, you know, your races, do we need to have this high carb diet? And uh, we've all talked about in our podcast for a long time is being low carb, high fat, being metabolically flexible. So you're teaching your body to be fat adapted and then metabolically flexible that you can switch over, get those carbs when you need them and still be burning fat. But I think educating athletes, there's so many people that are, I think on social media and looking at these Facebook endurance, keto endurance groups and fat adapted athlete. There's so many groups that I just started paying attention for. There's a lot of interest in starting to be fat adapted, but they're it's confusing because there's all these keto people. Like I went to KetoCon, I saw you at Paleo FX, and what it, what's all the research? It's based on chronic disease and obese and people that have a lot of health issues to be keto. There's not a lot of information, or people aren't looking for that information for how do you be low carb, high fat keto, fat adapted for endurance sports. So I think a lot of people still like, oh, I'm going to do 20 grams of carbs a day. And put that with my 20 hours a week training and see how I do. And it's interesting listening to all these questions. Yeah, thumbs down. So what's your take, Brad, on what you hear in your world of, because you're kind of doing this full-time podcasting and writing and researching and even experimenting with carnivore and, you know, reaching out to endurance athletes on this podcast. What have you learned of what people's interests are and where their areas of opportunity are to learn more and improve themselves? Oh, thank you. Well said or well set up. And I can say with great certainty that I don't know. I don't know the answer. It's very <laughs> tricky when you get into the nitty gritty details. And so uh, when we're talking nitty gritty details, we're talking about what is the optimal carb intake for an endurance athlete who's training hard for the Ironman. And that's something that 
is I think the individual figuring that out is always going to be superior to uh, buying into some template. Uh, that's different than someone who is uh, inactive or minimally active, has too much body fat on them, has high triglycerides, has uh, disease risk markers of assorted nature, and just needs to get healthy. And yeah. so uh, for, for everyone in the standard American diet realm, in the, in the disease risk, high risk factor category, we have to cut that shit out of our diet. And that's so simple. It's absolutely undisputed. We can get a whole food plant-based person on here who says meat is evil and, and egg yolks will, will clog your arteries. But, you know, getting the, uh, the nasty stuff out of the diet, the industrial seed oils that come in restaurant meals, uh, fast food, as well as fine dining, uh, and then in all the packaged box, frozen, wrapped up foods, still super prevalent in our food supply, even though we know that these things are perhaps the most toxic and offensive thing that we ingest next to uh, the high sugar uh, agents such as uh, sweetened beverages, sweetened beverages being worse than uh, food sugar because they don't fill you up. And so you can slam four Starbucks every day and exist like that in a pattern for 15, 20, 30 years and then get diabetes and join the tens of millions of Americans growing, growing, growing every year who are heading right into pain and suffering and demise. So once we kind of uh, accept that we're starting, let's say, starting this podcast with the uh, the assumption that you've cut that crap out of your diet, then we can have a responsible conversation and we can reference these amazing thought leaders like Dr. Tommy Wood, who leaves me with these uh, insights that I'll never forget, your neighbor up there in the Seattle area. And he said, look, if you're metabolically healthy, you should be able to handle anything. That includes extended periods of fasting. That includes going downtown Seattle and getting the gourmet handmade ice cream, which is so delicious and incredible. And I do it every time I'm in that city. I don't know if I live there. That'd be kind of tough to run down to Frankie and Joe's, you know, twice a week oh, and get a way. few pints. Yeah. But um, we we might be making uh, too much of this uh, overly stressful, overly regimented approach, especially the athletic population who does not have those disease risk factors. So it's really like we're talking about two different problems. And one of them is, are you metabolically healthy right now? And do you want to drop five pounds of excess body fat, whatever? Do you want to get your triglycerides even better? Uh, that's great. And you can do some tweaking and uh, nuances. But, you know, mainly to get out of the gate, um, we have to urge a, a health conscious person, whether they're an athlete or not, to ditch that stuff. And the reason I'm spending a little extra time on that is um, probably a lot of people in the endurance population, including the people who descend upon Kona every year, the fittest of the fit and the most serious and accomplished Ironman triathletes or the people towing the starting line for the Western States 100, a lot of them are still fueling these efforts with uh, absolute garbage. And they feel like they're, they're as if they're holding a free pass in their pocket to go and get uh, a pint of Ben and Jerry's or uh, inhale some Skittles on the trail when they're at mile 78. And yeah. it's, to me, uh, looking back and wishing I'd known what I know now, what I knew then, uh, yeah. we would have been so I much have a better off. By the way, that says uh, that. <laughs> and just walk around, walk around Kona with that, and uh, see if you get any people commenting. Uh, but you know, having having this uh, insight now that if you clean up your diet, it'll also help your performance, your recovery, and the effect that high stress endurance training has on your health. Wow, that would be that would be pretty awesome for the endurance population to be the healthiest, cleanest of all eaters. Well, so this is my inspiration to host 
a free, I don't make any money from this. It's just because I have these crazy goals when I go for a bike ride. I'm like, oh, I need to do this. And I've had this idea for a long time and I'm finally just doing it is organizing this meetup in Kona, our man Hawaii, having it at Bike Works, a pop-up shop, which is uh, Bubba Gump's closed down finally. <laughs> it's like this. Have you ever been to Kona recently? It's been this Bubba Gump's restaurant that looks empty forever. So anyways, Bike Works will be taking over that space. And we are doing a meetup there with Paul Larson. He's going to talk about why to become a fat adapted athlete and talk about the how insulin works and health and fitness, HP access. And he's done stuff with uh, Dr. Maftone on the fit and unhealthy research project. And so he's going to talk about that and case studies of fat adaptation. And I'll kind of dive into the other side of it is what we've talked a lot about on your podcast is being, well, I think fit and unhealthy, but how that is the burnout fatigue, the chronic fatigue, metabolic chaos, as we say, as FDN practitioners, how it's really about, you know, how can you train for these races as we brought up in the beginning? If you still are going to do these, how can you do this and not kill yourself and break yourself from the inside out? And so that's my mission and passion and purpose to share this information. It's like, okay, you're going to do Ironman. How can you do it without breaking yourself down and creating metabolic chaos? So we're doing this seminar. It's the Wednesday of Ironman week, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. And I've got a lot of a great swag because I know people love swag at Ironman Week. <laughs> Are you going to tape it so you can watch remotely or after the fact? Hmm, I could do Facebook Live. Of and, course, you have to. I mean, you know, who, yeah. who's only only a select few are going to Kona, but the topic is so important. And having Paul Larson, he's a prominent. Uh, you, you, introduce him a little bit, and then also tell me more about this definition of fit and unhealthy. What does that really mean? Well, if you look back a few years, I think their article and research came out five years ago, and I did a podcast about four years ago with Maffetone on this, and it's kind of what I've had happen. It's that HPA access dysregulation, and what I try to keep coaching people and speaking on my show is that you can be fit on the outside, but you're completely causing internal breakdown on the inside, and as I become an FDM practitioner, it's all about solving metabolic chaos and most people have this chronic stress from doing too much living life as a race and it accumulates chronic stress doesn't matter where it's from external stressors and hidden internal stressors so we talk in fdn about the hidden stands for hormone immune digestion detoxification energy and the n is nervous system neurotransmitters so when we live life as a race than I did in the past. And most athletes, we know those AAA podcast listeners <laughs> that we do this, we kind of push ourselves to this extreme level that we think we're that superhero and we're invincible. So what happens the end result is suddenly one day, like myself, you feel like crap and you have no muscle strength. You have 30 pounds excess weight on your body, fat weight and you can't sleep at night. So there's all these things that happen. And that's what I think Paul and Maffetone came up with the HP access to regulation years ago, being fit and unhealthy. And I added, did a podcast in a blog myself. Are you fit, fat <laughs> and unhealthy? It's like, how many people do you see at a race that are gaining weight? 
you know, it's really trying to race because they want to cross the finish line and have that checked off their box. But how many people do all this training, you're doing 15, 25 hours of exercise and you don't lose weight. I mean, you got to start thinking like, this doesn't make sense. What is going on metabolically, my mitochondria, what's happening with what I'm eating. So that's what I think. There's so much more to share with people and educate them at this seminar. And then I'll do some webinars and online coaching programs with this information. But this is a message we need to help people being fit, strong and healthy. Uh, so hidden is hormone, immune, digestion, detoxification, energy, and what, what's in? Nervous, the neurotransmitters. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's, uh, that's interesting, that last one, because mm-hmm. um, I'm kind of referencing um, some of my experiences where I was completely healthy. I went to the hospital and did full testing to, to make sure that you know I didn't have uh, identified chronic fatigue or, or something that they could diagnose. Uh, but I was, my brain was fried. It felt like I just didn't have uh, the juice. I wasn't, uh, you know, fit to perform like I uh, was accustomed to for, you know, a, a, a large, long period of time. And I feel like these uh, episodes of burnout are off the charts of uh, mainstream uh, medical diagnosis and treatment protocol. And really, uh, and then I went exploring into the world of functional medicine, alternative medicine, and I saw all kinds of different people. This is when I was a racer and was, you know, obsessed with health and peak performance and trying to optimize everything. And during one of these, you know, profound periods of burnout, where I was declared healthy by Western science and a a fit specimen to to boot, um, I remember going to an acupuncture and he had the best one-liner of anybody. And he, um, you know, did some... uh, examination of my my heart checking my pulse doing the needles and all that and he says oh your heart is very tired you have to rest your heart (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah whatever 45 bucks out the door here i go and where should i go next maybe i'll do another blood test but he was so spot on and you know the the over exhaustion of the heart muscle itself now we know from uh peter atia talks about this dr james o'keefe talks about this on his epic ted talk uh, run for your life, but not too far and at a slow pace. Talks about the pattern of overtraining and overstressing the uh, sensitive uh, musculature and uh, in the in the heart until the heart uh, gets inflamed and scarred so many times that it starts to get electrical signaling dysfunction and you get AFib. And now that's becoming a, a huge problem in the extreme endurance community. Of long term endurance athletes are blowing out their hearts and messing up the electrical signaling due to, uh, you know, overstress with insufficient rest. So um, that neurotransmitter thing at the end there, that's kind of the, um, the desire to train component that Kelly Starrett talks about is the number one uh, metric to assess the athlete's state of recovery and readiness is the, you know, one through 10 scale desire to train. You wake up, give me a number, and that's mm-hmm. going to beat the fancy $30,000 lactate blood meter at the Olympic Training Center if you are so fortunate to get uh, the scientists poking and prodding you and telling you even heart rate variability, some of those numbers can be confusing for a lot of people who are monitoring because they don't understand the nuances that Dr. Uh, that, that Joel Jameson talks about, your other neighbor up there in Kirkland, Washington. Uh, but, you know, desire to train, so simple. And looking back and realizing all those days when I wasn't quite feeling it. My neurotransmitters were fried. I was probably GABA deficient. I'm now learning from the neurotransmitter questionnaire, the Braverman questionnaire you can find online, and just putting that whole picture together to realize that, whew, you know, we better watch ourselves along the way as we obsess about these end goals because 
the process is uh, important to your enjoyment, your psychological health, but it's also something that you you have to respect or you're going to get trashed. Mm-hmm. So I would say there's what we do in FDN as practitioners, we don't treat one thing. And that's a big thing I had happen with medical doctors, with functional medicine, naturopaths. I went to see so many different people starting 2013 and now it's 2019 and I finally am feeling better. But I found looking back, knowing what I know now, I wish I knew then, that you can't just treat the symptoms, right? Like even naturopaths will give you, here's a lab test. Let's get more of a detailed lab, but they still will here, take a supplement for this. It's it's still just putting the Band-Aid on it. But in FDN, we don't give any diagnosis or treat anything specific, it's doing it all at once. So our goal is to kind of solve the metabolic chaos, that HPA access dysregulation, they call it metabolic chaos, make it easier for people to understand that it's the imbalance of the cortisol DHA ratio that causes this whole sequence, this domino effects in our body. But our goal is to kind of work as investigators to solve the crime scene, right? It's like, let's not just get this and treat that, but let's collect clues, do all these different labs. So we'll do five lab tests with people. Take your lifestyles. I'm going to use my nutritional therapy information. I'm going to use genetics and let's work on a unique approach to build the whole athlete from the inside out to restore health and vitality. And the goal of course would be to heal and rebuild every cell tissue and body system, right? So we got to start with the cells and if they're not functioning right, everything else is going to be dysfunctioned as well. So instead of treating just one thing and take a supplement for this supplement for that, it's just, let's work on everything. Here's what we're getting. Let's just do clinical correlation, put the pieces of the puzzle together and let's see what we get. Let's create a protocol, put the holistic method elements together and figure out how we can get you to feel alive and thrive again. But, you know, I think that's just amazing way to go about being a healthy athlete is going from the inside out instead of all this external. And I'll throw in one more thing. You have to also think about your neurotransmitters. Where are they made? What are they made from? So if you don't have proper digestion of protein to break down your proteins into amino acids to make the ingredients that make neurotransmitters, and your serotonin is mostly made in your gut. So if you have a dysfunctional gut, which much all of us I'm sure have some level of leaky gut, permeable gut wall lining, we're not even absorbing the food we're eating, getting the nutrients that we need, and we're not even making the building blocks to make those neurotransmitters. And then you can go into the gut brain connection. So there's just so much more to being healthy and fit athlete than just being keto low carb. We have to work on all these other things too. Ideally, start with the nutrition part, but then we want to work on how we're eating and when we're eating. So that time-restricted eating, that intermittent fasting, chewing your food, being relaxed, all that stuff we talk about. Your turn. Uh, Interestingly, (laughs) with the leaky gut, uh, you know, we've heard this term bantered around. It's the the cutting edge of of medicine and everyone's starting to pay attention to what this is all about. Uh, But I heard recently, I can't remember where, I don't know if you've heard this, where uh, the endurance athlete is particularly susceptible to leaky gut syndrome because of these prolonged workouts. Unlike most athletes who are doing their two-hour basketball practice or they're doing, 
a 47-minute CrossFit session and, and that's it. When you're out there for hours and hours, the, the permeability of the gut occurs because you're trying to um, get nutrients out to the working tissues. And so you're giving yourself leaky gut with your elevated body temperature and your prolonged sending uh, uh, nutrition through the gut into the working muscles. And then you have to like tighten those uh, junctions up again when you get home and sit down to a meal. But then if you throw down sugar uh, when you're in the course of your heavy training, then of course you're getting that uh, inflammatory, that oxidative stress from eating crappy food, which also promotes leaky gut. And the sugar, of course, is uh, uh, contrasting uh, the good foods that nourish healthy gut bacteria. So I don't know, is that uh, is the endurance population uh, particularly susceptible? Have you heard anything along those lines? So what external stressors we have, right, are chronic stress is re- chronic stress related to chronic exercise. So that's going to be another stressor that will impact our gut health. So I think, yes, our stressful lifestyle, chronic exercise going 45 minutes or longer would impact our gut health with putting, I think it's, it goes to the HPA access. If we're, and I'm kind of torn because now, you know, you read more about mitochondria dysfunction it's like, is it chicken or the egg? It's all connected. So it's again, not saying it's one thing or the other, but treating it all. So I've been working on mitochondria function, getting the right supplements, doing your hormetic stressors that you've been working on, but HPA access, getting those hormones in balance. So that's why it's really important, I think, to do the main lab, functional labs, and take all that information to see what's causing dysfunction that's going to relate to having gut dysfunction, which, you know, I think exercises so much of it because of the HP axis dysregulation, because I think my opinion would be we're eating food, which should be, digestion is parasympathetic nervous system. And if we're stuck in sympathetic nervous system, that sympathetic dominance we're not properly breaking down our food. So then you're going to have maldigested food particles irritating the gut while lining, creating or contributing to a gut inflammation, creating leaky gut. So that's just something I'm thinking of now, but just, it's just so putting the pieces of of the puzzle together and it's not that one size fits all approach. Everybody's different, but I think the chronic exercise is really important, but the, what we're eating, and that's why I really just want to start with people. Let's work on what you're eating, get rid of doing that high carb diet and work on building your aerobic engine that you're burning fat at higher intensity levels at metabolic efficiency and switching, you know, to more fasted workouts. And I don't know about you. I've been reading these forums on Facebook for uh, the endurance athletes and, people being afraid to have any carbs. So it's kind of interesting with you can, and it's a slow release starch, right? So it has some carbohydrates, but there's a lot of panic among people going, Oh, you know, you're going to screw up your ability to oxidize fat, which I'm wondering, Kate, has anyone used a glucose monitor? Those, you know, things you put in your arm, the continuous glucose monitor and really monitored. Well, if I have a little bit of carbs throughout my race or, you know, you're going really long training, is it going to throw you out of fat burning and throw out the whole workout and your fat burning? So I'm curious to do this kind of study and I'm going to post that on social media, but anyways, 
Yeah, that's interesting because a lot of the questions that come in too are so specific and particular. And I, I usually have this recoil first response of like, well, you know, probably more important uh, that you eat a healthy meal after the workout that you're describing and how many UCANs you're taking versus what your heart rate is. And I think the elite athletes have shown this forever where uh, we can debate this all day with experts on podcasts or read studies on PubMed that they do in this laboratory and that laboratory with uh, dudes going on the exercise bike, usually uh, college students recruited for the purpose, not highly trained endurance athletes. That's why the faster study was so such a breakthrough because it came from uh, real live high performing athletes. But in general, um, I'm a little hesitant to buy into all these proclamations when we see the behavior of the uh, the top elite athletes in the world doing something uh, totally different. And in in their case, uh, for many many years, it's been um, you know not as much attention to diet as the uh, the average endurance enthusiast. And I think they can get away with so much more because they have that, uh, you know, elite genetic component and that years and years of base and, you know, hard training that lets them be more resilient than a person who's working uh, at a difficult, high stress job and then uh, shoveling down uh, uh, snacks and gels and, and liquid drinks uh, sweetened with seven pumps at Starbucks uh, in between their workouts. So I think um, we have to kind of uh, see what the elites are doing and then kind of adjust and maybe be more particular, more um, strict ourselves because there's more stress factors in play. Well, yeah, I think it's always, we say, right, it depends. And there isn't one size fits all approach for how many carbs you can tolerate. You shouldn't necessarily compare yourself to Pete Jacobs is doing a carnivore diet and it's working for him because he's serious gut health issues and internal health issues that he needs to eat that way and be strict because if he doesn't, he doesn't feel good and his performance goes down. So that's his reason. And so everyone's stories are different. So I think you need to not do what someone else is doing. It's like all these keto group pages. Oh, I lost a hundred pounds in six months and people probably try to duplicate it. But for endurance athletes, your ability to tolerate carbohydrates is going to vary as well as your lifestyle level and your chronic stress that you're throwing in there as well as genetics and your gut health and you know, how you're eating. Are you eating in a stressed state? Are you sitting and chilling out when you eat and I think it's so big and I can go fasted I don't do I like you can for racing but I don't need anything to eat on a workout on a run so for me I'll use you can when I do a, a race and you know I'll train with it when I start to do a five-hour race at my math heart rate but for now you know I don't need to have anything but that's what works for me because I've done this for 15 years. So I think, you know, people just starting out need to have their own innate intelligence and do their own biohacking and listen to how you feel and how your energy is. You're going to know if you feel like crap or you're going to have amazing workouts. So track that and learn from your own self-experimentation on your fueling and pacing yourself. And as we always say, train hard, recover harder. So how you're recovering in between your workouts is huge as you keep talking about you know that recovery and sleep and chilling out hmm. yeah that that carb question continues to pop in and uh we we say everyone's individual in all those things uh but there's also this uh psychological component where 
you feel a sense of comfort or confidence in uh, your approach. And I think it's sort of a an X factor. You could uh, call the term um, hidden X, where uh, those athletes that are really comfortable with their uh, dietary habits and they believe it works for them, as opposed to those who are uh, a little stressed about it, a little nervous about it, insecure about it, asking questions, changing course all the time, uh, placing too much emphasis on diet. Dr. Kate Shanahan scolded me about that one time because I like to pepper her with questions about why is this happening? Why is that happening? And she goes, you know, it could be, could be beyond your dietary choices. And I'm like, of course it is because my diet is super clean and, you know, it doesn't vary this much into, uh, you know, Ben and Jerry's mode one month and then the next month is strict carnivore. You know, it's a nice established baseline of ancestral eating patterns with high nutrient density food uh, virtually all the time. And yeah, I did a carnivore experiment for a few months and now I'm loosening that up a little bit. I did a strict keto experiment for several months and I loosened that up a little bit. And so I'm kind of spinning out of this, uh, you know, starting, going back to where I started, where if we can get that nasty, nutrient deficient, toxic crap out of our diet and then start playing around and juggling things and seeing what works and what doesn't, I think that we're going to get 80% of the way there, as Dr. Peter Tia says, he calls it the low-hanging fruit, will get you 80% of the way to longevity. And probably for the athlete, uh, you know, the, the low-hanging fruit of eating a nutritious diet, all of a sudden you're at the, uh, you know, you're 80% of the way to the podium, and the rest of it might be, you know, sprinkling in a little more sleep, a little less worrying about what your heart rate zone is at the workouts or how many intervals you do. And just backing off everything and relaxing and, you know, building more confidence, knowing that you're, you're probably on the right track and you don't have to stress every little thing, which so many endurance athletes do. It's the, it's the personality profile of the endurance athlete. Yeah. And that's what I do with my program, the holistic method to train the whole athlete. And hopefully we'll be able to educate some people at our meetup seminar that we'll do in Kona and get some athletes. I don't plan on attracting the athletes that are racing. I think it's most of the people there that are tending that I meet every year when I go. If I'm not racing, those people are more aspiring and they're more open to change. The people racing probably shouldn't be doing anything different, obviously, before Ironman Hawaii. But I think it's being open to new opportunities and how you train and fuel, especially off season, you know, learning how to be a fat adapted athlete this off season and work on the whole you with the different elements. Oh my gosh, that'd be so fun to get real racers in there with their their race number on and, and racing in a couple of days and tell them, you know, don't don't use your gels uh, on yeah. this run. You'll you'll go so much better. Um, yeah, that's that's a great uh, service you're doing. Make sure you put it on your Facebook so everyone can absorb it and uh, get educated. But uh, what I was going to ask you with that functional testing uh, can you identify uh, a condition of leaky gut or a condition of adrenal dysfunction that we hear bantered about so much? But can you get a value and say, hey, this is what's going on? Or is it still kind of uh, a nuanced approach where you're, you're looking at a certain markers and trying to speculate? I will be using uh, five functional medicine labs. That one is going to be your hormone panel with uh, HPA access. So we'd be able to see what phase of HPA access you are in, as well as your hormones or seven hormones we evaluate. So it'll be about your stressors and your hormone balances and 
your gut health is because what's interesting, I never learned this before, but melatonin, most of it is made in your gut. So if melatonin shows up low, that is a clue towards gut dysfunction to leaky gut. And then we do a lab test that will be for premobile gut wall lining, so leaky gut. And then there's a lab test that we do to test your oxidative stress, to test your liver congestion and your ability to break down protein. So that's some one urine analysis test that we'll do. The fourth one is a GI pathogen test through a three-day stool test, which I've done a lot of one-day stool tests, and I hate doing it because it makes me want to vomit picking up my stool <laughs> the worst part. But a three-day sample is going to give you so much more information than a one-day sample, so we do that. And then we do the MRT or a couple different options for food sensitivity labs. And then there's some other ones we can do, but there's a big five that we start with and then use that as kind of the metabolic chaos investigation. Let's figure out, okay, here's what's going on. Here are your complaints. Here's what you're not feeling good at. Here's what your lab results say. And let's just create a protocol based on that puzzle, putting it together. So I'm really excited to be doing that as my full-time job along with the podcast and blogging, but also doing a a 30-day group online coaching program to do what I've done in my studio for 12 years. That's, you know, sugar detox is what we used to call it. But now it's, it's really teaching people to be fat adapted with a three phase approach to learning the tools. And it also includes not just nutrition, but the sleep and the stress and your movement, your digestion, gut health, hydration, and the happiness part where you're so good at doing that play and laughter and being silly. And I think that was probably the biggest takeaway people can get from this episode is let loose, let your guard down and stop being so uptight because that is a sign of you're going down that adrenal fatigue, HP axis, just whatever you want to call it. But you know, you got to chill out and play more and laugh more. So what kind of patterns do you see coming through when you see such as a, a burnt out endurance athlete comes and gets a full profile of tests? Can we, um, can you generalize a little bit? Like, I, I did the Nourish Balance Thrive complete uh, testing of all those things you mentioned and then some with the, 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 the saliva, urine, stool, blood, everything they could possibly obtain from me almost. Uh, and I came up with some strange things like uh, petroleum byproducts in my bloodstream and plastic residues in my bloodstream. And Chris Kelly said, uh, don't be drinking out of those water bottles that sit in your car uh, you know, in a hot sun and then the next morning they're cold and you drink them. Uh, same with uh, using plastics on any of your food and especially not in the microwave Tough and these things microwave. that, oh yeah. my goodness, you know, the estrogenic influences that Dr. Paul uh, Saladino talked about on my show at great length, it scared the crap out of me. So um, that was, you know, uh, some, some big awakening that I had this crap in my bloodstream. Some functional practitioners I've spoken to after uh, speculate that it was growing up in the Los Angeles area in the smoggy San Fernando Valley is maybe why I still have this nasty residue in there. And so my prescription from Nourish Balance Thrive was uh, get in the sauna, get it as hot as possible, stay in there as long as you can possibly stand it. So I have my my home almost heaven sauna that I heat up on a double cycle to get it up to 210. And I go in there and I do push-ups and squats and I'm, I'm sweating like crazy. And then I run to the shower and scrub hard with Dr. Bronner's soap. And that's a detox regimen for... Uh, the, the nasty stuff that was found lingering in my bloodstream. But it seems like uh, any high-performing athlete or health enthusiast would benefit from uh, running all these panels and then doing some 
certain protocols. A lot of times you throw in supplements and uh, you're probably telling people to smile more and sleep more too. Well, yeah, they call it the Dress for Health Success Program. I've already done the holistic method for five years. I'm kind of blending that in with my own method. But in FDN, dress is diet, R is rest, E is exercise, sleep, um, or stress is the other S, and then supplementation. So it's it design and protocol taking all that information together. So you can ask me in six months what I discover from working with endurance athletes, because that is my target market to work on endurance athletes, because no one could help me. I did all the lab tests as you did, but it's it's not just treating one thing. It's looking at, all right, this showed up as this. And on this lab, we got this information. It's that onion, you know, what what's peeling it apart and getting all these different information, looking at different elements that are going to impact others. So yes, detoxification is true, but what are you doing for your liver? Are you, you know, liver congestion is really important part of our health and detoxification. And then having a binder, do you need chlorella or activated charcoal? And, you know, you're sweating that stuff out and you're rubbing it off your body, but what about the toxins that you're releasing your cells that are lingering in your body? So looking at a liver detox protocol and, you know, maybe you need some other supplements to help your mitochondria because maybe they're fatigued and you need some other things there to boost it up and with the right nutrients. And then I, I find it fascinating looking at our genetics and putting that in there. And I've done some interviews on that, but reading a lot, The Genius Body by Dr. Andrew Rosenberg is on my shelf here. And I just find all that is just another clue to put into that whole investigation that we need to look at the individual client and what they need. Uh, And I will give a huge plug for going down this route if you're a health enthusiast and also add that when you're going into these uh, testing and uh, practitioner care uh, mode, you got to come to the table and bring your A game. And so if you're someone who's going through all this testing protocol and swallowing these exotic supplements and you're not getting enough sleep, it's kind of like, don't waste Debbie Potts' time or, or anyone else. I mean, get your, get your A-game going, and then you can kind of leverage uh, all the health practices that you're doing sensibly to heal uh, every cell in your body, like you say. And yep. I'm, I'm pointing the finger at myself because when I was training and racing around the world circuit and doing this crazy stuff to my body, and then also spending a certain portion of all my prize money on uh, holistic health care and all these unwinding oh. things like the massage and the chiropractic adjustment that I needed once a week, maybe twice a week now. You know, everything was, uh, everything was fighting against uh, the adverse lifestyle practices that I was engaged in flat out because I was, I was doing too much uh, in the athletic realm. And so, you know, to really regain health, um, we have to you know, do all the things that we can do that's within our own power and then combine that with, advanced testing and consultation. And then, boy, all kinds of things are possible. Yeah, I know. So I know we got to wrap up, but I'll just add to that. I do screening and we don't take people that are like, I'm somewhat motivated. So you got to nine to 10 on your, I'm going to do, I'm really motivated. You know, I'm rock bottom. I feel like crap. I've been to 20 people. I haven't got results. So those are the people that are going to help because if you're not all in, don't come to me yet. You're not ready because I wasted, I saw 10 people and it wasn't their fault. It was my fault. I was looking for the magic pill and the solution to get better. So I would think, you know, you got to want to do work because it is a lot of lifestyle work. So 
Nice Thank one, you. Debbie Potts. Have fun out there in Kona. We'll look on uh, we'll look on your Facebook page to get the uh, the seminar and all the information about what you're doing. Yeah, low carb athlete is my new page on Facebook. So wow, check that, that out. That wasn't taken yet. That's incredible. No, but all it right. doesn't have the so it's low carb athlete and same yeah. on Instagram. I got Instagram low carb athlete. So wow, I, I didn't know anything was still available. Someone someone took my own name on Instagram. I had to be Brad Kearns one. I was so frustrated. Like, who is this idiot? Let me see if he's done some cool posting. No, he hasn't. Give it back to me. Okay. Anyway, uh, thanks right. for spending time. I love what you're doing. Keep it up. Thanks for having me on. So Chris Kelly, Nourish, Balance, Thrive, we're, we're talking about health and you're telling me a funny story about your picky four-year-old daughter that won't eat unless there's Primal Kitchen uh, condiments on the table. It's true. My daughter will not eat unless there's f***ing the Primal Kitchen Wilder. <laughs> it's, it's this cute thing, actually, she does. We have a local state park called Wilder Ranch. Oh, yeah. And uh, she calls the ranch dressing Wilder Ranch dressing. Which <laughs> we, 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 there's no way we're going to correct her on that. It's just too It's so, so endearing. Uh, how old um, is she? She's four. Oh my gosh. So she likes like the mayo on a Oh yeah, she so she loves those sort of we love them as well. We have uh we, we eat them all the time. We eat the mayo, we eat the balsamic, we eat the the ranch, um the avocado oil we use all the time. And, and so, you know, that's completely genuine and I don't mind talking about that because you took the pain in the ass out of condiments. I really appreciate that. What an authentic spot from Chris Kelly at Nourish Balance Thrive. And yes, Primal Kitchen, you can call it Wilder Ranch Dressing if you want. And uh, we'll send five cents of the proceeds over to that beautiful state park because they're, they're trying to make ends meet in Santa Cruz Mountains. Thank you very much, Chris. <laughs> it's my pleasure.